Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I think I'm right in saying that towards the end of the career of the Beatles, there were days when the only people who turned up in the studio were Ringo and George. I can imagine that's true, yeah. Do you want to be Ringo or George? I'll be, uh, I think I'll be George. You'll be George, okay. I'm Ringo. So you've got to be funny and uh, <laughs> talk in a Scouse accent. We're, we're, we're just... Uh, David Hepworth here and Fraser Lurie bringing you the Word podcast. Just a short version, really. Yes. To prove our, our commitment, really, because it's Easter week, it's a short week. And people, everyone else has gone away. They're all away. They're all away. So there's just, there's just me and Fraser. Uh, but I know that there are some people out there who still appreciate the chance to hear from us. I hope so. Uh, and one of them is possibly so. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a reader's letters special. Good, we'll just, we'll do this week, um, because following last week's podcast, I think it was uh, Bad Art Dog. I'm familiar with Bad Art. You know Bad Art, not a person who took advantage of the screen name Amnesty. He got in touch to say that was a really lovely podcast. First time I've heard the the adjective lovely taken to apply to the podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to do it. I just listened to it while walking the dogs on a beautiful spring evening. I've got two weeks off to spend with my better half and my newborn, and I feel so ridiculously happy right now. See, I, I think the newborn is the, the important thing. You there. do? I you think the podcast could have been anything, and he'd still be happy. You don't think it's us lot just talking rubbish about Mott the Hoople? Almost certainly not. Okay, all right. So we were talking about Mott the Hoople last week. Which started with somebody on the website who was coming all the way from Australia yes. to see the reformed Mott the Hoople play. And who, we, who'd never been to Australia first time round. This is all emerging later yeah. on. You know, Now, we, we took rather a supercilious. This is beginning to sound like an apology, Dave. It's okay. <laughs> but listen, the only way we get these podcasts done is by talking off the top of our heads, yeah. isn't it? If we had to stop every ten minutes and run away and check the veracity... Of some of the area things that we say. There's quite literally no script. <laughs> There's very often no knowledge either. <laughs> There's just, look, you know, just imagine the key, 
I mean, I'm serious here. The key issue with the podcast is imagine a room full of seals and one big bright red beach ball. Okay? The job of the seals is keep the beach ball up in yeah. the air. Not anything else. That's all we set out to do. Anyway, uh, Lucky Tyler got in touch and pointed out that we were uh, we were a bit a bit uh, you know we weren't quite committed to the full truth about Malt Hoople reforming. He says Ian Hunter has certainly continued gigging ever since they split up, but not as you claimed with any of the other original members. So this is a genuine first time since the seventies reunion. It sounds pedantic, but it's an important point to me, and I suspect to many others who are going to see them in October. We never saw them first time around. They may well not be as good as 30-plus years ago, but it'll be better than not having seen them at all. You see, now, one of, the, one of the great virtues of being as ancient as I am is there's hardly anybody I haven't seen first time around that I was desperately wanting it's, to see. It's also a geographical thing. I, mean, I remember going to visit a friend in New Zealand, say, seven or eight years ago, and getting terribly excited by the fact that there's all these New Zealand bands I was going to be able to see. And I was in Auckland for a month, and there was one gig on. Really? Yeah. Because they're all over here. They're all over here. They're all over here playing to expat exactly. Kiwis and, and Australians, yeah. which is what they do. It's, it's the thing you always find when uh, Australian New Zealand bands come to the UK. And they, they go and play a gig at the Chef's Bush Empire or something like that. And they do really well. Yeah. And, uh, and they're absolutely thrilled. What they don't realise is they're playing to, to people all from home. Exactly. Who've just come Jimmy Barnes the, will sell out Brixton Academy and there'll yeah. be 3,000 Australians yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were also last week talking about digital storage uh, and about the fact that that the BBC said that they found it harder to keep track of old material once it went digital than they did having old-fashioned reel-to-reel tapes and, yeah. and record players. And I tell you, I think I may mention I'm doing this um, this thing about bootlegs for uh, Radio Four for the Archive Hour, which is going out in a couple of weeks' time, and. We had to turn the BBC upside down to find a record player, <laughs> which is pretty staggering, isn't it, really? So even the dance DJs don't have them. Apparently, I'm, I'm told that the dance DJs, because the, the, there's great emphasis on the idea that you kind of mix it yourself, but, but it's, uh, it, it's not occurring in the way that you're seeing it occurring, apparently. Uh, also, I think a lot of DJs now mix on computer anyway, so they'd probably just drag the laptop into work. Well, apparently they don't even drag the laptop in. They arrive with a memory stick. Okay. With That's a USB need, yeah. stick, there is, uh, there is, there is a program. Actually, didn't you, didn't you solicit, uh, you solicited tweets on the, on the word Twitter feed just before we started recording this? I did. And wasn't one of them. There was, there was uh, some responses. So one from uh, Megan F. Vaughan, relating <coughs> to the current issue of Word magazine, who asks, "Why include a Jade Goody obit?" Well, <coughs> well serious answer. <coughs> um, a very significant figure in the history of entertainment. I would have thought, being you know, person plucked from obscurity, Civvy Street, and went on to become incredibly famous in a in a genre that is a like it or not a massive driver of popular culture and i think like it or not she is a role model well yeah well, it may be not in the right kind of way or the way you'd like but i think to lots of girls who come from the kind of places that jade came from look what she made of herself yeah well absolutely you know well we we were uh, we were taking uh, michael parkinson to task this week because well, michael parkinson 
has, has gone into print saying that she was a, a terrible, a terrible model, and, yeah. and uh, her success only showed how tawdry our civilization had become. And we were, we, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd rather the hackles rise when Michael <laughs> Parkinson, professional Yorkshireman, kind of tries to beat his own drum too much, you know, because if ever anybody's, you know, if ever there's a kind of one-trick pony in broadcasting, yeah. it, was, it was, you know. Who's done very well for forty years? He should being, appreciate the way Jay Goody got. He produced. should appreciate. Yeah. You know, you can take a very narrow sliver in entertainment and in TV, you can ride it for a long, long time. Yes, you can. Yeah. Anyway, to another tweet. Yeah, go on. Because there was <coughs> one about D, there was one, one about DJs. There wasn't there. I thought I saw on your on your notes that somebody said, "Why do we have DJs anymore?" Oh yeah, then that was here somewhere. Uh, where have I? Oh yeah, Sir Terence. Um, he asked, "Do we need DJs anymore?" With the advent of Spotify and Last FM and the fact that you can have a radio station that's basically compiled to your own particular taste, why do we need DJs? Well, it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Well, you know, you've worked in radio, I've worked in radio, because the truth is that for the last kind of 30 years or whatever, DJs have not done what DJs historically did. No. Which was actually choose records and, and play them. At first they stopped choosing them, and then they stopped playing them, yeah. didn't they? Because, you know, I don't think people sufficiently realise this. You go into a radio station nowadays, it's coming off a hard drive yeah, somewhere, yeah. you know? And you and it's been programmed months ago. It's been programmed months ago. You know, you can't just go into the average radio station and say, I feel like playing Sensor. No. You can't do it. You literally, technologically, you can't do it. No. Let alone the argument you would have with the, you know, the programme controller. They will not have that noise, you know, programmed to go out. See, my theory on, on this is that because playlists have become so homogenised and everything is programmed to the last second, now the only thing that will make you tune in is the DJ. So it's completely down to their personality whether you listen or not. Yeah. The music is irrelevant because whatever time of day you choose it, you tune in, you're going to hear the same seven or eight records anyway. You probably are. You probably are. And, that, and that's the way they design it, isn't it? You know, yeah. they design it so that you, you know, you'll hear stuff that's immensely familiar, yes. you know, in the, in the short period of time that you listen. Uh, but I do, think, I do think it's personally very interesting that the um, that pop radio banished the, the cult of the DJ at exactly the same time as the cult of the DJ in the dance music world was becoming bigger than ever. Yeah. You know, because you go and see Pete Tong or whoever, you're going to see them play records. Exactly, yeah. And, and to kind of be capable of judging the moment and the mood and, of the and room. And doing all the things that DJs used to do when they look out the window and think, it's sunny, I'm going to play a bright record. Absolutely, which, which they do not do. On, yeah. on, and it doesn't matter, you know, I, I often think that the... the um, I think... Be, <laughs> I've done DJing myself, and... Uh, it, it's it's an essentially bogus thing, actually. Yeah. And very often, in my experience, the greater the claims for authenticity on the part of the DJ, the more bogus it is, actually. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? The more the kind of, oh, I love to listen to loads of demo tapes, and I've chosen, I'm really <laughs> excited, you know, we've got a B-side by the Kings of Leon. Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, because when I used to, I used to do this radio program on, on GLR on, on Friday nights and Sunday afternoons for years, and I used to get paid in washers, but it was the best fun I ever had in my life because nobody ever interfered. And, and the thing that made it absolutely thrilling was the idea that you went in with a huge box of records and you played what you felt like hearing at absolutely, that moment. Yeah. On the basis that if you felt like hearing it, there might be somebody else. And you could be two minutes from the end of a song and think, I know what will follow this perfectly. And, and you haven't it before. 
And whereas most radio, doesn't matter how kind of serious and, you know, cred it is, it's a playlist. Yes, it is, yeah. And, and they, I'm sorry, if you want to feel happy and sunny right now, well, you can't do that for 45 minutes, because no. that's when the happy sunny record <laughs> is coming up. Yeah. And the only person I've, I've seen do, the, the only person who probably still does it, although it doesn't really do music on the radio, is Danny Baker. Yeah. You know, that Danny, I've been in studios with Danny to do programs, and he just takes in millions of records. So he has and, vinyl? Well, he used to take no CDs. Well, he can't take vinyl anymore. No. There's nothing to play on. Um, but, he, you know, years ago, I went sat in when he was doing his Radio 1 show, and he took thousands of CDs on the basis that he didn't know how he was going to feel. Yeah. Now, that, to me, is the, is the sacred duty of the DJ. Absolutely. And, and if you're good at it, feel something. That's when you are a good DJ. Yeah, to feel something and to want to communicate something. Yeah. The secret, the great thing of the DJ is not, oh, it was an amazing new band. Oh, so what? You know, the thing, that's the great thing about dance DJs. Yeah. They can lift the room. Absolutely, you know? yeah. That's the old joke we used to make at GLR, that your job was to play a record that lifted the radio station so that you could dust underneath it. <laughs> and it actually took it three yeah. inches off the, off Marylebone High Street. Um, another question from St. Ter Terrence, who asked the uh, disc jockey's question. The Beatles. Oh, and I think uh, Matthew J H asked the same question because they they've announced finally that they're they're going to do yeah. further remastering, aren't so they? Yeah. Will shiny booklets and a light dusting make it worth buying all those albums for the fourth time? Well, what do you think? Well, I'd I'd love them as a as a Beatles fan. I would love them, but I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I, I am not going to buy those. I've, I've I've already got every single CD. I've got the anthologies. I've got the love album. I'd love to hear this stuff, but I'm not going to pay for stuff that I will listen to a couple of times. But if I didn't have the records already, I would be, I'd buy them, no problem. But I, I feel like there needs to be some kind of part exchange deal going on. Yes. I take my CDs yes. back in, I get 40% off the new, new stuff. That, that's a good idea. But there's another interesting thing with the Beatles that applies to them that doesn't apply to loads of people who came later, is that the overwhelming majority of their records, they're only interested in the mono version. Yeah. The Beatles had left the studio when George Martin used to do this, the stereo version. They didn't care. And so, if you want to hear those Beatles records at their best, short of going to Abbey Road and hearing the master tape, you're probably your best off on something that came out on mono in 1965. Yeah. On vinyl. See, I am kind of interested in these CDs, mainly because I went to Las Vegas a few months ago and saw the oh, did you see the show? Love Show, and it's tremendous. I mean, it's very corny, but the music sounds fantastic you kind of hear stuff that you've never heard in a Beatles record before there's so much going on and it's so interesting and that made me want to hear these reissues and is that is that a lot of that just because of the, the, the standard of the reproduction equipment that you're hearing on a I think it's partly that but system then, in a state I think, of the art um, it's, it's certainly partly that and it, the fact that it was volume lots of volume helped but I think the fact that these tapes had been addressed by George Martin and actually came out in a way that he was happy with rather than the original CD reissues, which no one was happy with, yeah. made a big difference. One of the people who listens, who's a word reader and, and listens to this podcast, I won't embarrass him by, by, by saying his name, is quite senior at Abbey Road Studio. And, uh, and last time he and I were talking about it, my, my, I, I was trying to say to him, you ought to shut this down as a recording studio. You know, I, I've taken a very controversial point of view. You know, I, no, it's still a business, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's still, <laughs> yeah. no, but here's the thing. It's Graceland, okay? Yeah. This is what you should do. 
you have coach parties going into Abbey Road, you know, paying huge money as they would, like they do at Graceland and you know other kind of examples of kind of supposedly holy ground or whatever. But the thing that you would get in the Abbey Road tour, which is the Holy Grail, the thing that Steve Van Zandt, when he told me about it, almost had tears in his eyes. You get to hear the Sergeant Pepper master tapes right. in the studio. Yeah. Because he told me he'd been to something where he'd heard it. He said, You have literally no idea. What you have heard is only 15% right. of what there is there. So they, could, they could move Abbey Road somewhere else, couldn't they? And, and, and just reopen the, the current premises as a. As a Kind of Madame Tussauds affiliate. Well, I, well, you know, I'd, I'd walked past last time he and I were having this conversation. I just walked past Madame Tussauds, and I think to get into Madame Tussauds, did we say it's fifty quid? Fifty quid. Fifty of your English pounds. Now you're probably thinking, dear listener, that's for your whole family. No. Oh no, that's for one person, isn't it? Children, thirty-five. Thirty-five, very generous discount. So you know, if you're going to take your entire family to uh, to Madame Tussauds, it's best part of two hundred quid, exactly. isn't it? You know. So I think alongside that. I think the Abbey Road experience, close it off, you know what I mean, have the zebra. Absolutely, you know, yeah. <laughs> have your photograph taken walking I, across I the I think there's a lot to be said for it, you yeah. know. But uh, in, I, there's no sign that they're going to do it. No, so idiots. It's just, it's just going to be, it's my fantasy. But anyway, you know, on the subject of the Beatles, that is the one thing I'd really like to hear, yeah. is to hear, it, it, you know, it's, it's to hear a quality that you've never heard before. Which you do wonder if, you know, kind of touched on this a bit in this program I did about bootlegs, that, um, that maybe the next frontier of bootlegging or, or kind of classic versions is, is audio, is really high-end right. audio that takes you to a level. <clears throat> so it's all the stuff that doesn't even make it to CD, basically, is it? Hey, possibly, possibly. I don't know. I can only take Steve Van Zandt's word for it. Yeah. That he says, you have no idea how extraordinary that sounds. Amazing. It is, really. It's, it kind of makes you, makes you get up every morning, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's <laughs> got a new motivation. Yeah. Anyway, actually, we were talking about digital archives, um, and that's what I touched on a little while ago, actually. But Michael got in touch on the subject of keeping a digital archive up to date. He tells us a story about the German government-owned TV station, like the German version of the BBC. Yeah. He says, a friend of his was doing research for a documentary sometime in the early 90s and discovered that the people there couldn't play back their archived news broadcasts from the 1970s because they transferred them to some fancy digital format, which had then been superseded. So they couldn't play them. They didn't have the equipment anymore. Luckily, they could later replace their useless files because the East German Secret Service had recorded the daily news on trusty magnetic tape. Yep. And those reels are now the source of the clips that you can see on the station's official website. Amazing. So there's always, you know, that's the great thing about ne being next door to the GDR, wasn't it? You know, they're always watching. It, it, it'll happen with the BBC eventually. They'll be rebroadcasting re shows that they've downloaded from YouTube. The, uh, that could well happen. But somebody's well, VHS. Well, it happened, but it happened with Steptone Sun, didn't it? Right, yeah. Um, that... Um, I think it was, is it, is it, it stops on the son of Galton and Simpson? I think it is Galton and Simpson, or is it Dick Clement and Ian Frenet? Anyway, it's one of those great... I grew up without TV. Okay, <laughs> right. Well, it's one of those great script-writing duos. And, uh, and 
a few years ago he found he had a tape he had you know like in about 1968 or something like this he had some kind of home vhs machine right you can't imagine how crude that no. must be how big and bulky the tape must have been but he had an actual episode which the bbc had just um you know well they they used to then used to burn i think so, film yeah. they used to burn film for what for the for the was it a nickel or something? There was some metal that you got from it. They extracted this. They'd had a value. It, okay. It's unbelievable to think that somebody used to go back and think, Panorama from, you know, you know July 1965. Do you think we want that anymore? No, I don't think so. And a ragged bow man would come by. <laughs> Burn it. It's unbelievable. Talking about TV, there's a question from Dan, Danworth who asked if TV is now antisocial. Um, people will say, uh, don't tell me what's happened because they're going to watch the, t the box set or on iPlayer or whatever. But in the past, the TV was the thing you talked about the following the day. The following day? Because everyone had watched it. Everyone was up to date. I in think that's end. a really good point. It's a really good point. You and I, you know, in the corner of the word office, we're allowed to talk about the wire. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's above ground now. Yeah. You know? But we used to talk, have to talk about it quite quietly, didn't we? In we case did. Andrew Absolutely. heard it. He'd go because furious if he thought we'd, we'd yes. give something away. And, you know, because I'm only up to series two. Yeah. And, then it, and if you've watched all series, you, you, can't, you can't remember what you knew in series no. two that you, you know. Who's dead and who's I, alive. It's hopeless. <laughs> you know, no, I think, I, think he's, I think he's got a really good point in there. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple of, couple of things uh, from, from the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, uh, this week where... Um, I feel like I ought to issue a general kind of uh, appeal to the word massive on the website, which is this. Lighten up. <laughs> Sometimes people seem to take things so seriously. You know, lighten up. I posted this thing this morning just because I can't remember. I saw it and I thought, this is a laugh. I posted it. An old clip of Pan's people. Lovely. Dancing to... Was it the Spanish was, Hustle? Yeah, did the Hustle. Something like yeah. that. Some, you know, mid-70s disco. Great tune. Fantastic tune. And you just thought, this is so kind of saucy and yet dated it's and delightful. curious. And it's delightful. And I just posted it. And, and I just posted, the headline was, whatever did we see in Pan's People? Well, well, some, some person, somebody said, T.K. Bedford said, there was just an annoying distraction to the music. In what? <laughs> so what, we should have just played the Spanish hustle. Should we on top of the boss? Interpretive dance, it certainly wasn't. The routine's often woefully inappropriate to the backing track. Some saw them as a conspiracy to save money on having bands appear. Don't think that's true, is well, it? Wh why were they would they probably on? cost more. Maybe, yeah. Others are w as wishful... Fi and here you are right, TK. Others wish fulfilment by male menopausal TV producers. Yes. But leaving aside the male menopausal TV producers, there are also loads of 14-year-old boys who are anything but menopausal. Who used to? Did you used to adore watching well, Once again, I grew up without TV, so I only, <laughs> I only ever saw Top of the Pops when I was around a friend's house. And uh, I didn't like the dancers. Oh, really? Whether it was Pan's People or Hot Gossip. But looking back now, I can see the appeal as a 40-year-old man. God, I mean, I can remember. I was at... I was at uh, at college, and the only television was in the in the TV room, and after in in, in hall first year, after dinner on Thursday night, used to all the blokes would just gather in, <laughs> in around that tiny telly, largely to watch 
whoever it was at the time. Legs and, smart and legs and go or pants people or whatever. And honestly, the the kind of the low grumble of lost yeah. when when they came on, you know, you it, it could have you know, could have repopulated nations <laughs> if you could have if you could have bottled that yeah. male DNA, you know? So, you know, pop music, sex. They tend to go together, don't they? You know, reasonably often. Reasonably often, and yeah. I think sometimes people are just in danger of missing that. The other thing that goes goes hand in hand with rock and roll is entertainment, which yes. I think people sometimes lose. There's KC Grady posted today. He said that he'd seen he'd seen um, some music quiz show on the ABC ne- network. I don't know if he's talking about the Australian broadcasting network. It may be. Um, and two of tonight's guests were Guy Garvey from Elvo and C6 Steve. While it was entertaining, it struck me as incongruous that those two performers would be on such a show. Am I old-fashioned in feeling that artists need to keep a sense of credibility at all times and stay true to their image? Or is it now okay to diversify and on one hand sing heartfelt, soul-stirring peons to love and life or wail a blues tune about loss and pain and then on the other appear on light entertainment shows cracking jokes and singing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah? Um, you know, there are there are worse crimes. Well, it, we we touched upon this, didn't we, a while ago when we were talking about that book, faking it, the yes. you know the invention of authenticity and popular music, and you know I think we, we all this worry about whether people should be doing things or whether it's consistent with their image is quite a recent thing. And I'm sure most of these people have lines that they draw anyway and the stuff they wouldn't do. And, he, and this kind of thing, it's not even a consideration. It's like Bob Dylan said, I'm a song and dance man. Yeah. You know, these, these, these guys, will, will, they're professional entertainers. Yeah. And, you know, Robert Johnson or Hank Williams or any of these people have just said, would you do a couple of uh, Noel Coward tunes? And, you know, would you play with the stripper? They go, fine, no problem. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? Am I getting paid? Yeah. You know? And why should Guy Garvey or C60 be any different? You know? They're not. So it's my... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm whinging about it. So it's, my standard, it's my standard instruction. Lighten up. <laughs> exactly. Lighten up. It's not real. You know, just had a tweet from Chris Difford. Oh, nice. Uh, erstwhile guest on this very podcast. Uh, and he's been, he's been performing with Paul Carrick. Right. Uh, Paul Carrick was, was a member of Squeeze, wasn't he, briefly, back in the day? I think he was. Uh, and uh, it reminded me, um, a friend of mine had been to see Paul Carrick in, uh, I think he lives in Norwich, so he'd gone to see him in Norwich. He's on tour recently. And it was a show of two halves, you know, he did a whole, whole show. And uh, and during the interval, the tour manager came to the, came and made an announcement, and said Paul is not feeling absolutely a hundred percent, and he you'd hate to think that anybody who came to see him was disappointed in any way, and he'd like to give of his best, and so if anyone uh, would like a refund or anything, please. You know, show your hand or go to the box office, whatever. And this so is halfway through. This is he'd done the first bit of the show, okay. and then this was an intermission. And of course, nobody went to the box office. Yeah. And when Paul Carrick came back on stage, he was greeted with an almighty ovation, with an absolute <laughs> yeah. ovation. You know, performer. You know, defying the, the you know the, the 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 physical limits that most of us. I observe. imagine he did exactly the same thing in Ipswich the following night. <laughs> I believe he did. It's a very clever trick. It is. Yeah. I like that. 
Anyway, one of the most popular things on the website this week, wordmagazine.co.uk, has been in response to something you posted, Fraser, which is a video from... Uh, from are we talking about the glory days of hair metal here? Well, we're, we're talking about something that looks back at the glory days of, of heavy metal. This is um, a band called Steel Panther. Steel Panther. Yeah, I should say that again. It's <clears throat> Steel Panther. Steel Panther. Or something like that. But, you, um, know, you know all bands whose names end in ER are rubbish, don't you? That's that a separate right? theory. Anyway, go on. I'll think about that. <laughs> Sorry, but, I'm uh, distracting you. Go on. They're a, a current Hollywood-based band who play regularly um, in, in West Hollywood or wherever it is that uh, poodle-haired rockers hang out these days and, and pay tribute to the glory days of hair metal. So they sound like Motley Crue and Rat and, and Faster Pussycat and all those bands I loved at the time but find deeply embarrassing to listen to now. So when, when are we talking about? When was the when was the? I guess this is 84 to 86 would right. be around the time right. I, was, uh, I was involved. So it's a very particular video. Is it from a movie, this thing? No, I, no, I think it's a track from the new album. But they, the, the strange thing about this uh, video is that Sarah Silverman appears in it as a, as a school teacher who proceeds to take her top off, basically, which is the kind of thing that happens in nearly all heavy metal videos. It does, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know, they're all about the, the extraordinary power of heavy metal, yeah. aren't they? You know? And it, I, I was looking at it this afternoon, and, it, and, and it's basically... Some lad with long hair is is in a history class or something really boring, and and just imagines that the classroom is invaded by his poodle-haired, um, you know, heroes. Exactly. Yeah. He then proceeds to rock out. Yeah, and I, th I think um, "Hot for Teacher" by Van Halen was it was pretty much a similar kind of thing. The template. I yeah. think uh, Kiss did a video which a young, a youth, an adolescent was stuck at home listening to his parents, and Kiss came <laughs> through the TV to rescue him. There's a lot of this kind of thing going on. Well, isn't it, isn't it like that? It was it when Michael Jackson did that tune with Eddie Van Halen? Beat didn't it. didn't it start with the sound of, of metal being played through a, through a, a thin partition and somebody banging on a I think on, it might on, have done, on the yeah. partition going turn that row down? It was something like that. I think it was. Um, and also Run DMC, beat, um, Run DMC and uh, Aerosmith, when they did their track, that started with a similar kind of thing. But that was Aerosmith on one side of the wall, being annoyed at Run DMC next door, laying down some fat beats. I think in the Michael Jackson case, you hear the child say, oh, suck this, or something. Right. You hear him actually put in a cassette. <clears throat> you know, so... They're, they're, they're Suck all this is the kind of thing I used to say a lot in 1994. Right. They're all kind of fantastic examples of how... This ridiculous music is used to apparently right wrongs yeah. in the real world, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, it's it's unique amongst uh, many many genres in continually being kind of tongue in cheek and, and taking a piss out of itself, right. which most people don't simply don't do. Musicians take themselves awfully seriously, as you well know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and most heavy metal musicians don't. Well, mm. the last word on this, we have to we have to hand over to. To Mr. Backwood Seven, I think we do. Who's one of our star correspondents? Yeah. Who has, frankly, outdone himself here on so. this. And I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to read the whole of this because it's, be it's better than anything I could write. You know. <laughs> um, it's better than anything I could write. I was there. <laughs> it says, "Watch," and he's watched this video. It says, "Watching the classroom anarchy unfolded in the video for Steel Panther's song Death to All But Metal." It's, it's fantastically narrow agenda, <laughs> isn't it? Death to all, death to all music that is not metal. It says something occurred to me. 
If I was forced to live in a world defined by the skewed reality of one musical genre, it would have to be hair metal. Where else can a boring school lesson be enlivened by the straight-laced teacher suddenly removing her glasses and cavorting semi-naked on her desk? He's right. While your classmates forget their tribal divisions and join together in acts of mayhem. Hair metal isn't just there for the good times. It's an understanding we've all been there, bro, when your mom tells you to clean your room. It's an arm around your shoulder when your girlfriend leaves you, and the only way you can articulate the pain inside is by playing your electric guitar on some railway tracks <laughs> as torrential rain streaks down your tear-stained face. I've been there. There'll probably be a shot from overhead, won't yeah. there? You know, that, that's filled a, from helicopter. Filled, well, no, there's, there's almost... It's a video cliche, isn't it? Rain coming down, seen yeah. from above. You know, right, yeah. So you're taking, you've got a godlike view, haven't you? Um, within walking distance lies the Tolkien-inspired theme park of heavy metal. The prospect of going on Viking roads with Joey DeMaio from Man of War. Am I pronouncing that right? He was the bass player. Of watching Glenn Danzig and Glenn Benton from Dayside <laughs> argue at length over which one of them is the devil. <laughs> it's the opportunity to experience firsthand Iron Maiden's love-hate relationship with demons and war. Right. There's obviously things that members of Iron Maiden think about all the time, in demons and war. Many forms of music wallow in life's problems without seeking a resolution. In a world defined by the laws of country and western... The school teacher in the video would be a washed-out, middle-aged, blonde diner waitress with a drink problem. She would set unsolvable mathematical problems aimed at uncovering the reasons why her man left her, before concluding that fancy book smarts will only get you so far. In the Arcadian realm of trad R folk, she would be a heavily pregnant woman destined to give birth out of wetlock. Lamenting the loss of her man at sea. <laughs> Halfway through the lesson, she would be ousted from the classroom by a steam-powered education machine, <laughs> able to do the work of ten teachers at a fraction of the cost. In a reality ruled by the blues, you would find yourself dying of jock itch in the school infirmary. Hair metal is an easy target for ridicule and derision. There's a consensus that if you're still into it by the time you reach your 20s, that there's something wrong with you. People tend to overlook how life-affirming it is. I can't think of another genre of music that urges you to grow out and grab life by the balls with one hand while throwing the devil horns at a spluttering member of the establishment with the other. Party on, dudes. It's absolutely... That's brilliant. That's a brilliant analysis of genre. That's really fantastic. So do you, you don't still listen to that stuff, do you? No, I don't, know. I, I kind of I hear this, like, Steel Panther, listen to that, and it, it took me right back, but I couldn't bear the thought of listening to an album. I think we talked about this on the podcast before, that I, I think the key element of music like that is, is, the, is the fantasy and pretense element of it. Yeah. That it only works when you're prepared to s- surrender to the fantasy in it. And it, it is a very adolescent thing. It's completely it? adolescent. I'm no longer an adolescent. No, but but men are. I mean, to be fair, lots of men are still adolescents, when, certainly when they're in their 30s, yeah. and probably in their 40s. And I, I do have friends who continue to listen to this kind of thing. So, 
and 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 the listening it's very difficult to listen to that kind of thing without wishing yourself into the world of yeah and who wouldn't want, wouldn't want to be in that world but you see i've often said i've often tried to try to explain my theory to puzzled women right yeah that what you've got to understand about men most of them is at any given time they're playing sport in their heads yeah it's true isn't it yes it's fact. Absolutely. I'm yeah. not exaggerating at all. No. Men walking down the stairs in this building are, well, they, they tend to do it on the flat. They're either running up to bowl or they're going to hook a free kick round the wall yeah. or they're going to, you know, make a fantastic I, I, drop shot at Wimbledon. Or, I take corners. <laughs> I run up to bowl. Do you? I run up to bowl. I've got a brilliant action really? in my head. Are you a spinner? No, I no, no, I'm medium fast. Okay. Medium fast, but I, always, I can make the ball move away. I'm like Simon Jones, you okay. know, that kind of thing. Not an out and out pace man, but you know. <laughs> but pretty handy nonetheless. <laughs> but you see, isn't that true? Yeah. You see, and, and, you and you're, you're convinced that in another <laughs> parallel universe this would actually be the case. I don't you? know if I'd even go that far. I know I'm rubbish at absolutely everything, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't stop you in your head no. pretending to do it. Whereas the things you actually do, you don't pretend to do. When you write or whatever, you don't pretend to write. No. So people who can't write, they go through the fantasy of being a writer. It's people who can't play sport go through the fantasy of, of playing sport. You know, I don't think Wayne Rooney is playing a game in his head, no. is he? He's no. playing an actual game. No. Um, or whereas, maybe maybe plays Xbox version of football. Yeah, <laughs> well, they do, don't <laughs> they? They do. But um, going back to hair metal and all yeah. these things, that you know, the, the core experience, surely, with things like that, is... You know, it used to be a tennis racket, but now it's something far more, you know, high-tech. And, uh, you know, it, you're pretending to be the guitar player, yes, aren't you? absolutely. Yeah. Probably in front of the bedroom mirror. Yeah. Tongue hanging out. But, you see, one have the, the key moment in every man's life when he catches sight of himself in the mirror doing something like that, and, and just finally the well, spirit <coughs> just... The air goes out See, of things I've, I, I think I've kind of got this, I think I've kind of got this backwards. I still do this. <laughs> I still leap around the room with a pretend air guitar, oh, and right. I think I think I just come to things late. I had long hair for a long time, you know, and I grew out of this kind of metal in about 1986, and kept the long hair till about 1999, right? Even maybe beyond. So you know, I was a 30-year-old man with hair to my waist, and then I was listening to. The specials and the Beatles and everything apart from heavy metal. Right, right. But you just kept that. Yeah. You see, other, other key difference is you've not got children. No. Now, you see, if you live in a house with children, you've got to stop doing stuff like that. I guess so. Because yeah. the great danger is the walking on father, you know, where he's, where he's playing the solo on, you know, on you <laughs> Freebird, know, Hideaway by yeah. Freddie King. You know, it, it doesn't. It, it's not consistent with the dignity of fatherhood, yeah. is it? No, you I can't, can appreciate that. You can't draw yourself up to your full height and say, get on with your homework. <laughs> no, you've you just left off the cabinet. Yeah. And you can't pile. say, stop looking around. You know, no. If you don't take life seriously, you'll never get anywhere. <laughs> All those things that fathers say, you know, you just can't do no. it if you've been caught mucking about like that, you know. So, um, so you know, it's, it's a big, these are big questions. Does Bruce Springsteen play air guitar, you know? Dude slides along the hallway on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got a special, probably got a special hallway for doing that. Yeah. yeah. So look, we've, uh, we've we've I think we've covered a fair amount of stuff. I think we, we have. Uh, we'll get this out as soon as we possibly can. Yes, we shall. Uh, new issue of Word is out tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
uh, on That's the cover Thursday the 9th The Island Story 50 Years of Island Records usual belting CD on the cover uh, don't forget it to uh, to pick it up and, and uh, well actually subscribe why don't you this podcast was brought to you by The Word details at wordmagazine.co.uk even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.